That's what we're waiting for is this freedom that, yes, Jesus won for us on the cross, but we need to receive it and accept it. And we will not experience it to the fullest fruition until we experience it in the glory of heaven. I don't know about you, but I'm so tired of getting sick. I mean, when you have young kids, you get sick all the time. And the thing that I'm noticing is that maybe it has to do with school being during the week, but I only seem to get sick on weekdays. I must have a weakened immune system. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 170. Hopefully you got that one. We start every episode with a dad joke, so if you're first uh, joining us for the first time and you have no idea what just happened, uh, maybe rewind and go back if you didn't get that one. But I hope it brought you a little bit of joy. If this is your first time listening, please rate and review this podcast. It helps other people find it. And if you've been listening for a while and haven't done it or haven't done it in a while, we encourage you to do that as well. You can visit us at manoffoodforthought.com to get all of our content, all of our podcast episodes and blogs. You can sign up there, uh, click subscribe to be mailed, emailed our weekly. Uh, can you imagine if it came to you in the mail? That would be kind of cool, but also like a lot of work. But you'll be emailed our weekly Psalm Reflection every Wednesday morning, and you'll be apprised of all of the latest uh, podcast episodes. And if you feel so inclined and you want to become a patron, a financial sponsor of this podcast, you can click give and that will take you to our Patreon page where you can support our podcast for as little as $1 a month to help keep this and the hosting and all the other costs um, covered so that we can continue recording. So uh, yeah, thank you for doing all of that. And you can stay connected with us on social media. All of our handles are on our website, but especially on Instagram at mana food for thought. So hopefully we will connect with you there. And we always love hearing, I always love hearing uh, what your feedback is about the episodes, what stood out to you, what comments you have. And so we'd love to hear that from you as well. So I always feel weird saying we, I started out with a co-host and I just kind of kept the royal we, it's just me, it's just Matt. So I love hearing these things. One day I'll finally figure out how to use the, uh, first person pronouns. So anyway, uh, let's get into joy junk and Jesus. My joy this past week has been uh, 4th of July was wonderful. Uh, compared to the previous year, my children freaked out on 4th of July. They'd never seen fireworks. Granted, we did not prepare them at all. Um, so they were very surprised. And the fireworks show was so close to us, unbeknownst to us, that it just like, it was, it, there was no going back once it started. Um, so this year was night and day difference. My kids had a great time. We had a great spot and it was just a wonderful day with friends and family and so um yeah and it's been nicer out so we've been going to the pool to the beach um and this past week was both my father-in-law and my daughter's birthdays my daughter's birthday was yesterday so she turned five which is just wild and incredible so it was a really wonderful day together for that as well my junk is that the day I'm recording this this morning I was like today is my baptism day and I was like so excited that it was my Jesus birthday as we tell our kids but I couldn't remember what year it was so I went and I looked, I have like a scrapbook of old certificates and documents and pictures and stuff. And I looked in there and I found my baptism certificate. And uh, today is not my baptism day. <laughs> my baptism day is on June 8th. But the day the, the certificate was issued is today, July 10th. And I misread it and I've had it in my calendar wrong for probably four years. So yeah, that was a little bit of a letdown. But uh, I'll probably celebrate and eat some leftover birthday cake today anyway. And then we'll just fix it next year. So anyway. Um, and then my Jesus moment, there's been a lot over the past week. Um, I got to share my testimony in a very small version, uh, for the national Eucharistic Congress in a little video format. And then I also got to do it in my men's group, my quad this past week. Uh, and so that was really great. Um, 
and just I, I'm also very encouraged. There's just a lot of incredible things happening in ministry and in life, and yeah, it's just really wonderful. Uh, I have a lot of exciting things, just personal and um, otherwise, uh, you know, ministry related things coming up, and I'm just really stoked for those. And the Lord's moving and doing some really wonderful things, and He's providing for us, and seems to be speaking to us in a way where we're keeping on track. So that's always an encouraging thing to know that we're hopefully doing what the Lord wants. So, and if not, we know he will lead us in the right direction. So anyway, I'd love to hear what's going on in your life. And this uh, week we are diving into the second reading for this upcoming Sunday. Uh, It is the, what is it? 16th, 15th Sunday of Ordinary Time. I forgot to write it down, but um, it's one of those. It is the 15th Sunday in Ordinary Time. And uh, we'll be in Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 23. So pretty pretty much right in line with where we were last uh, last week, just a few verses later. So we're in that same section of Romans. Uh, Romans is talking about justification, salvation, a really uh, incredible theological treatise from St. Paul writing to the church in Rome, which is a church that is a multicultural community of Jewish and Gentile Christians. We're trying to figure out what is essential to believe between both of our backgrounds to be Christian, what do we retain from our previous lives? What do we uh, set aside? And also, how do we deal with this cultural and religious melting pot of Rome that is steeped in secularism and pagan religion and emperor worship and all of these different things? How do we set ourselves apart as Christians? So we're reading in the midst of that, kind of smack dab right in the middle of the book of Romans uh, this week. Romans 8, verses 18 through 23. So this is what Paul writes to the church in Rome. He says, Brothers and sisters, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are as nothing compared to the glory to be revealed for us. For creation awaits with eager expectation the revelation of the children of God. For creation was made subject to futility, not of its own accord, but because of the one who subjected it, in hope that creation itself would be set free from slavery to corruption, and share in the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that all creation is groaning in labor pains even until now, and not only that, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we also groan within ourselves as we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Paul is essentially saying here that The sufferings of this time, they're nothing compared to what God has in store for us. So all of creation, it's been revealed to us that we were made subject to the ability to choose evil, subject to the ability to sin. Like that was part of our creation. We were given free will, so we had the ability to sin. And because of sin, we all have now the need to be set free from this slavery to sin, the slavery to corruption. And so that's what we're waiting for is this freedom that, yes, Jesus won for us on the cross, but we need to receive it and accept it, and we will not experience it to the fullest fruition until we experience it in the glory of heaven with God in perfect unity and love with him for all eternity. And so for me, this verse that really stands out, first this idea that, like, you know, the best is yet to come, and the verse that really stands out for me is right at the beginning where Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are as nothing compared with the glory to be revealed for us. And it just reminds me, you know, the words of St. Therese of Lisieux, the world is thy ship and not thy home. Like we were not made for this earth. The earth was made for us to enjoy, but we were also given the ability to freely love God in response to this free gift of creation 
and we chose to turn away from him. And at some point in all of our lives, we choose to turn away from him or to not do the things that we were created for. And so because of that, we now need to be free of this tendency towards sin and to be prepared for the fact that, you know, this this life is not all there is to this life, and we need to be ready for the rest of this life, the next life in heaven. And so, in essence, you are an alien on this earth. You are just a fetus of your heavenly self. You're an alien fetus. That You are not made for this world. In fact, it says that in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, Paul writes, Our citizenship is in heaven, but from it we also await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Like, we belong in heaven. We were made in the image and likeness of God. And in the words of St. Augustine, our hearts are restless until they rest in you, O God. Like we know there's some yearning in us for something beyond this created world. Because every person throughout the span of human history, however many million, billion, thousand years we've been around, and the age of the cosmos, we've all had this yearning for something more. And every human throughout history has exhausted the ways in which we can seek fulfillment and satisfaction in this life. And they have found themselves still wanting. The only thing throughout the trajectory of all of human history that has satisfied any soul completely is a relationship with God. That is what is promised us. That is the vision that John sees in Revelation 21, where he says, I see a new heaven and a new earth. The former heaven and the former earth had passed away and the sea was no more. There is this new creation that awaits us that will fulfill every longing in our hearts. And it just reminds me of this fact, like, there's always good coming. There's always something good coming. You may have been dealt a really raw, raw deal in life. You may be dealing with the consequences of sins of your family, of past generations, of your upbringing, of the place you were born, the time you were born in, the, the gender, the race, the nationality, whatever, all of these things that may be causing different sufferings or different difficulties in your life, depending on where you live or, you know, the circumstances surrounding your life. Maybe you were born with certain physical ailments or mental disabilities or uh, difficulties in social situations. You feel very isolated, alone, like whatever it is, there's all this myriad of ways that we can look in the mirror and, and list of ways our life doesn't measure up to what we think it should. Ways in which we feel like we are deficient, less than, and we can be pessimistic or negative about our life circumstances. And every person in the world can do this. Even the richest, most, uh, you know, person who's achieved the most can still look in the mirror and list a laundry list of things that they wish were better. And I love this line from, from Jesus uh, in The Chosen when he's talking to little James and little James is asking him, why haven't you healed me? And Jesus says to him, you will be healed. It is only a matter of time. You will either be healed in this life or in the next life, but it will happen. If we follow Jesus faithfully, we know that heaven is promised. And so it will either happen in this life or the next. And so brothers and sisters, I just want to take this opportunity to remind you, like you will be healed. It is only a matter of time. There is always good coming. Romans 8, 28, which I always quote, we know that all things work for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. You will be fulfilled and satisfied. It is only a matter of time. You will find everything your heart truly longs for and more. It is only a matter of time. Remember Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. He reminds the church in Corinth, no trial has come to you but what is human. Just like Paul says in Romans, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are nothing. He says, no trial has come to you that what is human. God is faithful and will not let you be tried beyond your strength, but with the trial, 
he will also provide a way out so that you may be able to bear it. God always has a strategy in mind to free you from the suffering, the sin, the shackles of this earthly life and bring you into the blessedness and the glory of the next life. Wisdom chapter one reminds us, for God did not make death, nor does he rejoice in the destruction of the living. God has a plan for your freedom, for life and life to the full, for abundance for you, overflowing. And that may seem completely impossible right now, if you're just having the worst day of your life, if you feel like you've hit rock bottom, you're in this well that you cannot climb out of, of despair, of discouragement, of disappointment, I just want to tell you, brothers and sisters, you are not alone. God is with you in this. He will provide a way out so that you may be able to bear it. And not only that, he has good in store for you, even better things than you even imagine for yourself or have yet to experience. There is always good coming. It is only a matter of time. You will be healed, fulfilled, and satisfied, it is only a matter of time. You will find everything your heart truly longs for and more. It is only a matter of time. We get discouraged, brothers and sisters, when we listen to the words and the temptations of the devil. You know, in the Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis, he writes from the perspective of demons about how Christianity can actually be a downfall for us. You know, in, Screwta in the second letter in Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis writes this, this is as if a demon is speaking or writing about tempting humanity. This demon says, at his present stage, you see, he, this human being, has an idea of Christians in his mind, which he supposes to be spiritual, but which in fact is largely pictorial. Work hard then on the disappointment or anticlimax, which is certainly coming to the patient during his first few weeks as a churchman. You know, he's writing here about this reality that when we follow Jesus, we have this idea in our heads of what our life is going to look like. And one of the biggest weapons of the devil in that situation is disappointment. When things don't work out in our lives the way that we thought they would, and we don't recognize we have this kind of neo-Pelagianism, uh, which is a heresy in the early church that believed that we could earn our way to heaven. We have this idea that if I do all the right things, if I'm faithful to God, then he's going to be faithful to me and he's going to make all the problems in my life go away. And that is never promised anywhere in scripture. The abundance and the lack of problems that is promised are in the next life. That if we're faithful to God in this life, he will be faithful to us. He will journey with us. He will bring purpose to our suffering. He will bring some kind of greater good, even if we don't see or understand it out of every suffering. But we will not experience the full joy, fulfillment, satisfaction, and blessedness he has in store for us and created us to live in until we live in union with him in heaven and sin is no longer part of the picture. Suffering is no longer part of the picture. The fallen world we live in is no longer part of the picture. It will be redeemed and transformed in the next life, in the next world. Also in Screwtape Letters, in letter number four, the demon says this, to teach humans to estimate the value of each prayer by their successes in producing the desired feeling. And never let them suspect how much success or failure of that kind depends on whether or not they are well or ill, fresh or tired at the moment. We have to be also very aware that the devil uses our current state in life and our current mood to cause us to think whether or not our prayer is successful or whether or not we are being faithful. He will use whether or not we feel good, whether or not we feel disappointed, whether or not we're physically well. And all of that, as I always say, mind, body, and soul, all intimately connected and affecting one another. He will use that, the devil will use that to try and dissuade us from a life of following Jesus. 
or to persuade us to look to the things of this earth for our fulfillment. Instead of turning to Jesus and enduring this suffering with grace, I'm going to try and come up with some way to medicate it easily by turning to food, to sex, to drugs, to alcohol, to medicate it in some way, to get my mind off of this suffering. And you know the really horrible thing about that is it doesn't make the suffering go away. It amplifies it. It adds a new form of sin, a new form of destruction to the equation that is addicting, that is a self-fulfilling cycle and prophecy that makes us feel like this will make all things better when it never does. And we just end up further and further away from the person that God created us to be and the life that God created us to have. I'm thinking of the story when Peter is walking on water, when Jesus comes to him on the water and says, Lord, if that is you, command me to come out to the water to you. And, and he does, and Peter begins to walk, and he's walking on water, which is incredible. But he begins to see the height of the waves, and he takes his eyes off Jesus. He begins to sink, and he shouts out, Lord, save me. And the very next word in that verse is Matthew chapter 14, verses 30 to 31. When Peter yells out, Lord, save me, the very next word is immediately. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand to save Peter. When we cry out and help in our discouragement, our disappointment, and our despair, immediately, God is there to save us. Now, he may not save us in the way we expect. He may not remove everything completely because there may be some purpose or greater good that this suffering will lead to that we don't yet understand or foresee. And that's just a reality of living in a fallen world. Is that what God wanted for you at the beginning of time? No. He wanted perfection, perfect love and unity with him. But sin entered the picture. We turn away from God constantly. And so he has to work with the pieces that we give him. He has to create some structure out of these messed up Legos of decisions that we offer him. And yet he always builds something beautiful. And so I want you to hear the words like when the hemorrhaging woman reaches out to Jesus in Matthew chapter 9 to touch the tassels of his cloak to be healed in her discouragement, her, her disappointment, her despair. She reaches out and Jesus says to her, courage, daughter, your faith has saved you. Your faith has healed you. Take courage, son of God. Take courage, daughter of God, and know that God is with you. Reach out to him, grasp out for the, for the tassels of his garment, for they are near. He is always with you. But we need to do the work of turning away from the things that we're grasping onto for our own fulfillment and satisfaction that are not completing us. We need to let go of them, reach out for the tassel of Jesus' cloak, and allow him to heal us, and trust that the healing will come in a matter of time. It may not be the way that we expect or at the timeline we expect, but we will be healed, fulfilled, and satisfied and find everything our heart longs for and more. It is only a matter of time. We were not made for this life, so we cannot expect all our problems to go away and for us to be completely fulfilled in this life. It would never make sense. Yet we are called to witness in both the joys and the sufferings of life to others so that more people will share in the blessedness of that joy and love in unity with God in heaven one day for eternity. So, how are you turning your complaints into opportunities to witness to the joy of the gospel? How are you turning your sufferings in these moments of despair, disappointment, discouragement into opportunities to reach out to Jesus and allow him to heal you, to allow him to set you on the right trajectory for your life, even though it may still be difficult and have pain and grief and loss and suffering, to know that there is purpose and there is a greater good always being worked on your behalf by God, who sees everything far above you can see. For my ways are above your ways, says the Lord, and my thoughts are above your thoughts. So much higher, as the heavens are higher above the earth, so much higher are my thoughts above your thoughts and my ways above your ways. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. 
Remember those words. Remember God's faithfulness to you, brothers and sisters. And if you're discouraged, disappointed, despairing, negative, pessimistic, pessimistic, if you're feeling like things aren't working out the way that they're supposed to, good. Because that's a sign to you that you were made for something beyond this life. But it's also a recognition that maybe things in your life need to be shifted so that they're more in harmony with God's plan for your life. And trust that when you do that, only good will come of it. It is only a matter of time. The sufferings of this present time are as nothing compared to the glory to be revealed for you. Remember that. Pray into that second reading this coming week and trust that the Lord is with you no matter what you are going through. There is nothing so great that he cannot overcome it. That's all I have for you this week, my brothers and sisters. God bless you. And until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist. God bless. Thank you.